The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Fighter versus the Rider. I'm Damon Martin. He is UFC legend Matt Brown. Matt, you were away for a week. Welcome back. How's everything in your part of the world? Well, we were just talking about it off air there for a minute. Um, hectic, but busy. <laughs> it's all good th- stuff, right? Like it all. You know, sometimes you got to go through the storm to get to the light, and that's what we're working on, bro absolutely absolutely never slows down right even like people think like you're not you don't you don't have a fight book you're like oh you got some downtime you ain't no downtime there's no downtime no nah, i'm not a big fan of downtime to be honest anyway so uh you know actually i probably in my past i'd say four to five years i've trained more out of camp than i do in camp so now so what i try to do and this hasn't been the case in the past five or six months but in the past five or six years with the way that i've operated is i train insanely hard out of camp so that when i do get to camp i'll I'll train really hard you know at the beginning of camp but then when it starts becoming crunch time i can relax and recover and actually be ready and hungry to fight now it doesn't mean i don't keep on the cardio but not taking the shots not you know risking the injuries things like that so yeah it's always busy around here bro I know I remember talking to Michael Bisping after he had that Luke Rockhold fight where he won the title and he kind of he said it like going into it he's like the short notice might benefit me because I just haven't killed my body in the training camp because he was one of those guys you know who just grind mm-hmm. himself you know into a training camp and he learned something from that now that was obviously the tail end of his career but he's like yeah he's like you just tear yourself up in training and then by the time you get to the fight you got nothing left he's like you just beat the hell out of yourself for 10 weeks and by the end you're like i'm doing you know two sparring sessions and blah 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 
And then by the fight, you step in there and you're like, holy shit, I'm already haggard. Like, I'm already beat up. I don't know how many times I've done that to myself. And and what happens is I've trained myself to be able to take any amount of punishment that you could possibly hand me. But I didn't train myself to go in there and perform great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's a difference. Like, yeah. you know, just beating yourself down all the time. It's like, it's like, okay, I can take that. But what does that mean if I can't go in there and perform? That means I can go in there and get beat up really good. <laughs> yeah, you want to dish it out. It's not so much you want to take it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's you know, it's, it's it's so funny. Like when people mention that you know, I meet someone new or something, and actually, just my I hired a new cleaner the other day, and she was here, and she's she was like, I don't know how you do that, you know, get beat up all the time, and I was like, well, I try to beat them up, you know, <laughs> like I'm. <laughs> you know, that's Not why me I always, getting beat up all the, every time. I always I always say this uh when I talk to guys, like we always have like we say guys have a granite chin. Like you have a granite chin. And I'm like, that's in a weird way, it's a backhanded compliment because like that means you're getting hit a lot and you just can take the punch. Like, you know, it's like that's like, you know, you don't root for a fight of the night. Because the fight of the night means you went through hell. Like you went through a war. Like knockout of the yeah. night. Go, you know, <laughs> but that's true. Like I always say, like it is, I mean, it is good to have a good chin. Like, no one's saying it's not good to have a good chin, but if you if you prove that constantly, it means you're getting hit a lot. Yeah, yeah, there's sort of a two sides to that, right? You got, like, the Gennady Glovkins who got a granite chin but win, par- you know, partially because of the granite chin and their skills. And then you got, like, the Tony Ferguson's, you know, at least as of late. I mean, he's a fucking legend and, you know, did amazing things back in the day, but, you know, having that granite chin didn't serve him very well at all. Cause it was all take eating shots for lunch, breakfast and dinner. So yeah, it was kind of like BJ Penn towards the tail end of his career. Like he was just too tough for his own good. Like he just didn't have it to dish out anymore, but he could still take it, man. He could take it. But that's again, that's a double edged sword. Cause that just means you're getting, you know, eating 200 shots in a fight. is not a good thing just cause you can doesn't mean you should. Exactly. Unless you're winning. Yeah. You know, then, then it's a great compliment, right? Oh, you got a granite chin and you won. If you didn't win, that granite chin isn't such a great compliment. I always remember Roy Nelson had like the granite chin, like he could take a bunch. And then Mark Hunt cracked him that one time and just never the same. Like he actually started getting dropped because it go, man, that's like I said, that's a, it's a dangerous game to play when you're relying on that to save you. Like you're relying on, I can take a punch. Eventually someone's going to hit you hard enough and you're not going to take that punch. Like there's a Mark Hunt out there that's going to knock your block off no matter how good of a punch you can take. You know what I mean? There's always going to be that guy that can hit you and connect with a shot and put you out. Yeah, that's a fact. Yeah. yeah and they said, didn't they say Mark Hunt has a skull that's like, thicker than other people's skulls without Mark Hunt. They, they I think, shed like a stray of it. I think that might be who you're talking about. I think so. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So he was another one. He had a concrete chin. There's another one. Yeah. So yeah, it but, makes me wonder if you could, you know, we condition our shins by rolling them and hitting them and to build the castification of the bone. I wonder if you could do that to your skull without, without, you know, punching without damaging, skull. without, without all the brain damage. Without- yeah. Yeah. Just taking that bread roller and just rubbing it over your head. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, guys do condition. I've seen those videos where guys condition their legs. You kick shit and you toughen your shins. 
And then, I mean, like, to be fair, you... that's that's kind of stupid too, though, because <laughs> like you just take the bag, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've always seen those like Muay Thai videos where like they're doing demonstration kicking trees and shit, and I'm like, that can't be good. I don't care how tough your shins are, kicking a tree cannot be good for you. Yeah, well, they're kicking banana trees though, so yeah. they. I've never kicked a banana tree, but I've heard they're pretty soft. Yeah, I I I'll avoid kicking trees altogether. I'll kick a bag. I can kick a bag. I, that's that. I know that's you soft. Kick bags? Uh, I have. I'm, I'm, I I suck at kicking. <laughs> yeah, I I, yeah, I have. I'm not good at it, but uh, yeah, I have kicked. I have kicked bags. I'm, I'm I'm not much better at punching bags, but I can punch much better than I can kick. So, so I have a, a heavy bag in my garage. It's a has sand in it. You know, not not the whole thing, but there's sand. You know, in the bottom. Yeah. With you know, the rags and, you know, whatever fabrics and stuff. And it's pretty tough on your shins. Like, I think it's good enough. Yeah. Yeah. You can condition it that way. Like I said, there's a way to condition it without kicking trees and, you know, random shit like that. But yeah, I think it'd be a good idea. Like, could you condition your head without getting brain damage? Like, is that possible? Could you do something like that? That'd be an interesting scientific study to do that without, you know, the brain damage because you don't want that. Uh, Usually when I have an idea and I think it might be stupid, it's usually (laughs) stupid. (laughs) <laughs> oh man so we haven't talked for a couple of weeks obviously with the show last time we talked it was uh we talked about ufc 300 jim miller and literally the next day they announced jim miller's fight with bobby green so did you ever hear any updates we were waiting on sean shelby to text you back you never did yeah i never heard anything so I'm not sure what's going on there oh it's rough man i thought that was a perfect matchup and then like the day later they announced him fighting bobby green and Obviously, I understand Jim Miller. He's going to take whatever fight they throw at him, but I was a little surprised. Yeah. Like, two guys want to fight each other. You kind of made their job easy for him. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I understand where Jim is coming from on that, right? Like, uh, Bobby Green, if I remember right, he's ranked or, or he's at least very close to being ranked in the top 15. And, you know, so it makes sense for Jim Miller. And I think we both know Jim Miller's not the type to be picking and choosing and turn down fights anyway. He, you know, they throw a name. I'm sure he just says yes. So, um, but it's, you know, it works, you know, good for him, you know, yeah. good for and Jim Miller. Like, that makes sense for him. And he's a lightweight. I mean, let's be honest. He is a lightweight. Like, you yeah. know, and, and I know you mentioned that. Like, there's if there was a downside of fighting Jim Miller, people are going to say, well, you're fighting a guy coming up in weight and things like that. And he's, you know, Bobby Green is actually a lightweight. So I get it. Like, and I, I know I know enough talking times. I've, I've known Jim long enough to know when the UFC comes calling, he doesn't say, well, let me fight this guy, not that guy. Like, you yeah. know. They had a spot for him on 300, and, and they got it. And then uh, they announced a bunch of other fights. Still waiting on the main event. I know we talked about this briefly around UFC 297 because they had the bantamweight, the bantamweight fight, and we kind of talked about like how bad the women's bantamweight division has gotten, and like it has. But the one shining light that I mentioned on that show, if you remember, Matt, I said the real star that could come in is Kayla Harrison, but they don't have her weight class. Well, Shit on me, I'm wrong, because Kayla Harrison is signed, she's fighting Holly Holm, and she's doing a bantamweight. Now, her fighting a bantamweight, that's all the question. She rests, She did judo in the Olympics like 178 pounds, and she fought primarily at 155 pounds. Now, she has fought at 145. Now, if there's one thing I've learned from my knowing Kayla Harrison as long as I have, and just to be clear, like I adore Kayla Harrison, like one of my favorite people in this sport, just one of the nicest, coolest people I've ever met in this sport. Um, if there's one thing I've learned about Kayla Harrison, it's not to doubt Kayla Harrison. I think she'll get down to 135. I think she absolutely will. She has the right people around her. She has the money to invest in nutritionists and all that kind of stuff. 
But the question is, is it good for her to fight at 135? And that's the real question. Yeah, she's not fighting no slouch either. I mean, she's <laughs> fighting Holly Holm and coming in on the first fight in the UFC, which especially on 300, I mean, that's a different experience than what she's experienced before. And I know she's been in big shows. I know she's been in the spotlight and she has all the confidence and all that, but UFC is different and UFC 300 is even more different. So that's a lot of pressure to put on her. Like you said, she's not someone that any of us are going to doubt because she's that person, right? She is that girl that, you know, is if she's going to come, if someone, if you're going to count on one girl to come through, it's Kayla Harrison. So, but she has a tall, tall order in front of her fighting Holly Holm for debut UFC fight on UFC 300. It's a tall order. And the UFC, let's be honest, this is smart matchmaking because I just, for you know transparency's sake, I did an interview with Holly Holm earlier today and we were talking about, it, and I said, do you think there's any like correlation that you were the one to beat Ronda Rousey, who was an Olympic bronze medalist in judo, and now you're fighting the two-time Olympic gold medalist in judo because Ronda couldn't do anything to Holly. Now, do I think that Kayla Harrison has better foundation that she doesn't just rely on judo takedowns? And, you know, I think they're different fighters, obviously. Ronda and Kayla are different fighters, but their backgrounds are the same. The judo, the judo is the same. And, you know, you know, Holly's like, yeah, you know, I, I can see it, but, you know, they're similar in some ways, but they're still vastly different than others. But I do think that's at least a little bit of the reason they made it because Holly stuffed Ronda's takedowns every single Holly Ronda couldn't get near Holly home. And Kayla is, I mean, Kayla makes no secret about it. She likes taking people down and now she has elbows. She didn't have elbows in PFL, which dear God, that's terrifying. Kayla Harris with elbows. Um, but Holly Holmes got great takedown defense and she thumped Ronda badly. So again, I, I, they're not, listen, Michael Venom Page came in, he got Kevin Holland. That's not an easy fight. And I think, I like Michael Venom Page, but I think Michael Venom Page fought a lot of cans. <laughs> he fought a lot of cans in his career, but he's still a very talented guy. They didn't put him in there with some bum that he's going to beat. You know what I mean? Kayla Harrison's getting Holly Holm on day one. They're not doing them any favors. They're not saying you're coming in making a paycheck and we want you to get wins. They're giving them tough fights, so... You know, Michael Venom Page and Kayla Harris, so we're going to find out pretty quickly how good they really are. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's the way it should be, you know? Like, if they go, you know, they're not... I mean, they're paying for those people, too, right? Like, they're, they're, they're not getting them on, you know, 10 and 10 contracts, right? So <laughs> they're not going to give them debut fights, right, if they're not paying for debut fighters. So, you know, I think it's fair game. And... um like I said, I just I think it's a tall order for Kayla Harrison, especially with the weight cut. You know, she claims that she's done these test weight cuts, but that's very different than, you know, dealing with the adrenaline and, you know, the intensity of going into a UFC fight, nonetheless, UFC 300. It's just a lot of things, you know, for her. And like you said, if there's someone that could do it, it's Kayla Harrison. But I think it's a pretty tall order for a task of her. It is. And also you got to remember, like, you know, she's been under the pressure, the spotlight. You don't become a two-time gold medalist in the Olympics without understanding what it's like to endure pressure. But, you know, and, and the test weight cut, like, that sounds good, right? Like, she made the weight. That's good. But making the weight and fighting 
24 hours later and being, you know, as close to 100% as possible, that's different. You made the weight. How did you do the next day? Like, were you the same? Did you rehydrate and look as nasty and as good as you ever were before? Because I've seen a lot of guys, and I've been around a lot of guys cutting weight. Now, I'll be admit, I'll admit, as a guy, I haven't been in a lot of saunas with women when they're cutting weight. But I've been around a lot of guys, like in the last like hours of their weight cut, and I've seen how bad it can go. Like they'll make weight. Like I'll never forget one of my. I, I don't think I'm betraying any confidence in telling this story. Uh, when Charles McCarthy fought Michael Bisping in Montreal. I was around, I knew Charles a little bit, but I knew the guys from American Top Team. And after the weigh-ins, everyone went out to dinner at this restaurant in Montreal. Big, huge, like, table dinner, you know, big banquet kind of dinner. And they invited us to come along, so we sat down. I was sitting with Charles McCarthy, and I think it was his then-girlfriend. I don't know if it ended up becoming his wife or not. But he was just miserable. Like, he couldn't eat. Like, he was just so sick from the weight cut. Like, he was trying to eat pasta. Couldn't He just couldn't keep anything down. He was sick, and then the next day, I mean, Bisping just, you know, picked him apart, and, you know, it wasn't even really a fight. You know, it was Bisping dominated him. But I always remember that. Like, he got through the weight cut. He made the weight, and he looked good on the scale. He didn't look, like, dehydrated or depleted or, like, you know, where he's stumbling around trying to get on the scale. Like, he didn't look like that. But I was with him afterwards, and he was rough, man. He, was, he couldn't eat, you know what I mean? So just making the weight doesn't solve the problem. Like, you know, just because you make 135 doesn't mean you're going to perform incredibly the next day yeah it's interesting because the obviously like i've made weight many many times and i cut a decent amount of weight to get there and you know it's like you said it's one thing making the weight but like i felt those same things before where you know you have you you've, you've practically been fasting for the last however many days you know at least 24 hours is pretty standard at least 24 hours sometimes you know, and then the days before that, maybe you don't consider it fasting, but it's practically fasting, right? Like you're just you're eating so low calories and you're still pushing your body and you're sweating. And then when you, when you jump off that scale, you just can't wait to eat and drink and everything. Um, you know, especially when you get some water, but the way your body reacts, I, I've never really read any science about it, but I'd be really interested to know some of the things that are going on inside your body with your stomach shrunk up, um, the dehydration, the, um, you know, the stomach acid, because it's hard to eat. It takes time for your body to even be able to absorb all that nutrients, you know? And yeah, you know, I've puked before uh, the night of uh, sometimes you know, you can't even really eat a decent meal for at least a few hours, you know what I mean? Um, you know, and, and you feel it the next day too. And sometimes, you know, you'll end up eating really good on Friday after the weight cut and then, but you're starving all night, Friday night. So you don't sleep that well. You know, there's a lot of different little pieces to that. That's interesting. You bring up because, um, you know, it seems like, Oh, you, you know, you just, you go rehydrate and recover and you'll be back to normal. It's 24 hours. You'll be fine. Yeah. It's not, not quite like that. Well, you fought almost your entire career at welterweight. And I'd imagine, even though you had it, like you knew what to do to make weight. I'd imagine every time is a little different, right? Like you made weight, like, like you made weight and sometimes you feel amazing. And then sometimes you don't. And that's like your weight class. You fought there almost your entire career. And I imagine like, that's just the risk you run cutting weight right yeah so there's a few pieces to that so when 
we say, yeah, you feel a little different every time. A lot of that's like the lead up, you know, not just the week of the, the weight cut, uh, fight week, um, not even necessarily the week before, but like the five, six weeks leading up to it, you know, how, um, sorry, That's all right. you know, the, all that time leading up to it plays a part where, you know, how adapted is your body to being depleted? Um, you know, how, how much energy are you expending? Um, you know, did you water load properly? Also, a lot of times it's the location that you go to. Um, like for instance, I, I cut weight in Brazil one time, you know, there's no sauna there and it was a very, very, uh, long flight to get there. Um, or when I fought in Abu Dhabi, I mean, that was a really, really hard weight cut because I was kind of jet lagged and, you know, not really feeling, um, energetic all week. And, you know, the, the time difference threw everything off and, um, you know, so there's a lot more pieces to that puzzle than just simply, you know, just you're, you're cutting weight and everything's good. Right. You know, not, do you have access to a sauna and, you know, how adapted is your body to saunas? Um, which I don't even use saunas anymore. Um, you know, I, I use the, you know, the sauna suit, like on a bike or walking on the treadmill, things like that. And that treats my body a lot better, but I didn't even, even something like that. Like I didn't know that for, you know, I, I guess probably 10 years of fighting the UFC. I was using a sauna every time. That's what everybody else was doing. And then I, I tried one time with the bike because I didn't have access to a sauna. And I was like, dude, this is fucking 10 times better. You know, like, like yeah. my body feels way better. Um, to, yeah, there's so, so many factors to that. And then also there, there's how you recover too. You know, that you're, cause you're going to get this input from a lot of different people on how you recover from a weight cut. Right. You know, whether it's like the UFC, they give you like a uh, Vitargo and which is a, a carbohydrate that's fast absorbing. Um, you know, they give you all these electrolytes and, you know, they, they have this whole plan for you all laid out specifically how to rehydrate. And I tried that shit once and it did terrible for me. <laughs> um, now I just drink water. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm like, it's just, it's just what I want is some fucking water. I don't need all your, you know, supplements and all this bullshit. Give me some damn water and I'll be good. Um, so I said, you know, everybody, that's part of, uh, you know, I wonder how she did a taste. Uh, I wonder how Kayla did her test weight cut too, because, you know, how did she recover from that and did it work out, you know, the way that she wanted, you know, the, the, again, there's, there's just so, so many pieces to that. Yeah, there's no there's no perfect right or wrong answer. I remember back in the day, one of the first UFC events I ever went to was when Rich Franklin fought Evan Tanner and won the middleweight title. I was at that fight in Atlantic City, and I remember Rich, the second he got the scale, man, he weighed in, and that was obviously back in the day when you weigh in, you know, the night, not the morning or whatever. But I remember he stepped off the scale and came off, and immediately his coach handed him peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Like, that's how he just, that's how that was his routine, and it helped him put the weight back on, feel better. And he was just so hungry and depleted at that point. He always have a couple of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I always remember that about rich. Um, but everyone's got their own method. Like you said, that what the UFC provides for you, they think is scientifically or, you know, whatever, physically what you, you know, what, what your body needs, but may not be what Matt Brown's body needs. You know, yours exactly. just needs water. And so, yeah, again, if there's anyone I'm going to have faith in doing it right, it's Kayla Harrison. If there's one person I've learned not to question, it's Kayla freaking Harrison. And, I think she'll do it the right way. But again, 
even doing it the right way doesn't mean it's going to react the same way every single time. Like I said, you could do it all well, right. That, well, that's the other other piece of that is it, we always talk about this, you know, doing it the right way. Um, there's no right way to almost kill yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you are not supposed to be that dehydrated. Uh, like I know my lean body mass. I know um, how hydrated I am. I know all these details about my body. I am not supposed to be 170 pounds, right? It is, there's simply not healthy for me. I would put money. Kayla Harrison is not supposed to be 135 pounds. So no matter how perfect you do everything, those last few pounds suck horribly. You can literally do the entire thing. Perfect. Exactly what every science you know, the world-class scientist tells you to do and, and all the research is perfect. You practiced a hundred times, whatever. It will fucking suck, <laughs> period. Like your body is not supposed to do what you're doing to it. Yeah, yeah, I like that, what you said. There's no right way, there's no way, you're, there's no right way to almost kill yourself. You're absolutely right, because you're not, the human body is not made to weight cut. You know what I mean? Like, that's not what you're supposed to do right, to right. deplete yourself 20, 30 pounds in a 24-hour, you know, 24-hour uh, period or whatever. And I remember, right. and I remember and I talking. There's, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, I think there's a, a more efficient way, right? Like, there's been times, at least for my body and maybe, uh, other guys might say different, but for my body, there's been times where the weight came off quicker, more efficiently, you know? Um, but I, again, those last few pounds, I felt the same every single time. Yeah, That's why they, I've heard these rumors that I, I don't think are true, but about there being a 65 and 75 pound weight class announced at 300, which are probably just bullshit trolls or something i think it's uh not true or it'd probably be bigger news but uh um i would love that because 175 my body it's not easy but my body can handle that 170 like i said i'm literally suffering and i i know so many other people that say the exact same thing and see in this situation um like you know because you are a veteran and you've gone through it and i know you're not you know you're not made to be 170 pounds just like kayla is not made to be 135 pounds i would say what advice would you offer her but is it really valid because everyone's different like i don't know like it's weird because like what works for you may not work for her i don't know like is there yeah. advice because she's cut weight like she cuts to 155 like she, right. she she did the olympics at 178 now that's same day weigh-ins obviously and so you're not going through nearly as severe as a weight cut just like you know wrestling you're, you're doing morning weigh-ins and wrestling in the afternoon so you're certainly not depleting your body to the same level and extent that you would fight in the ufc that's why you know you see wrestlers wrestling at 188 and then they come in the ufc and they fight at 170 because you know they can go through a more extreme weight cut yeah. but uh yeah i don't know like is there advice you can offer a person or is it even worth offering advice because you don't know what her body's going to go through well when you, you talk about advice i'm i'm, a, I'm thinking i'm guessing you say, you know, what kind of advice would you give in terms of like what to eat or how to properly do the weight cut, but all that shit, again, w when you get down to the last five pounds, it sucks period. And it doesn't <sighs> matter uh, what you did. It's just simply going to suck and you're going to have to push yourself and you, all of your metal is going to be tested. Your mind's going to be tested. Your will is going to be tested. Um, and, you know, I would give the same advice in just about any 
a very difficult venture that you're going to do. And, you know, and that's just about keeping a positive mind. And uh, it's the hardest time probably that I can think of that uh, to keep your mind positive and keep focused on the goal. Like you start really questioning, you know, whether you can do it, like whether it's physically possible, you know, I've, I've, I've been there where, I, you know, you start wondering like, how healthy is this? Like, am I going to fucking die in here? Yeah. Um, that's why I've never been a fan of the whole, like locking guys in saunas and shit. You know, when, when I'm weight cut, helping other people weight cut, like I'm just trying to be positive the whole time that like, that's all you can do. And that's the only advice I can give is, you know, keep your mind positive. You know, I'll listen to like motivational speeches sometimes when I'm doing it. And I never, I'm not a motivational speech guy. You know, I'm not that guy listening to that shit all the time, but that's one time when I do it. Um, a lot of times I'll listen to like classical music, you know, something that's, you know, just relaxing to the mind and kind of zones it out. Um, and I practice like meditation, um, for a lot of reasons, but that's one of the times where it really comes in handy. Cause you can kind of just meditate your way through the weight cut. Um, you know, and so the, the, I, I kind of got that from remember the guy who set himself on fire, <laughs> the, the monk or whatever that set oh, himself yeah. on fire. Yeah. 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 It's the yeah, yeah. yeah. And they said, you know, he claimed or they claimed, you know, that he was able to meditate through that pain. So that's sort of my thoughts on that, you know, is just learn how to meditate through that pain. And it, it's, so my point is it's hard to give advice on that. Like, like how can your advice be stay positive? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. like it's, it's tough advice to give, you know, uh, but that's about the only thing, the only two cents that I can put in is, you know, you have to figure out a way to keep the positivity up the entire time and keep believing in what you're doing and all of that stuff. That's where a lot of those things are set up weeks, if not months before, you know, the mental training, um, that's where it starts coming in handy. The self-talk, the language that you use, things like that. Yeah. I remember uh, one of the embeddeds that had when Jose Aldo was cutting down the bantamweight and he was in his room in one of those sauna, like self sauna things, you know what I'm talking about? Like the little, mm -hmm. little domes. And uh, he was rocking out like Pantera and stuff. And like, he was just like jamming to music. And I was like, that's, that's probably a part of it. Like keeping a positive attitude. Like he had a smile on his face and he's just kind of like rocking out some music. And I was like, fuck yeah. Jose Aldo likes Pantera. Uh, but like, it was just, you know, you just tell he's just vibing out. Like everyone's got their own way, but yeah, you're right. Like, you know, cause it's going to test you, man. Like I, I've seen it, man. I've seen it firsthand. That will, that will absolutely test you uh, in, in ways physical, physically that you'll never understand going through again. So, uh, but again, if there's one person I'm not going to question with, it's going to be Kayla Harrison. Uh, but as you said, she got a tall order 24 hours later. You better hope everything goes well because you got Holly Holm waiting you, and Holly Holm is no joke. Right. And, and that's uh, the only other part that I would add to that is not only are you being tested mentally so much during that weight cut, you also don't want to expend any energy doing it because you need to save your energy for the next day, yeah. right? I, I don't know. I, I don't know how many times I made the mistake of, you know, my weight cut so hard that I put all of my mental energy on Friday or, you know, Thursday night and Friday cutting that weight that I was just burned out by Saturday. Yeah. And then by the time you get to the fight, you're just like, dude, I don't even feel like doing this now. <laughs> you know, so that's where I started doing the meditation, 
listening to classical music, trying to zone out of it and, you know, using positive language and things like that versus trying to, um, versus trying to like, I can do this. I like, I don't really like the Pantera thing, right? Cause he's probably like, fuck yeah, like let's <laughs> go. You know what I mean? Kind of being driven through that versus kind of floating through it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I feel like I'd want to listen to like Bill Burr and just like laugh my ass off, try to keep a positive attitude that way. Listen to comedy yeah, tapes yeah. or something. Like, I feel like that would be my thing. Cause like when I'm in a really crappy mood or I'm just not feeling well, like I'll watch like, old Eddie Murphy stand up and it just cracks me up and it just gets my mind off things. Like that would probably be my thing. But I, I imagine it's like, it's different for everybody. Like you said, you listen to classical music, whatever it is, just find that thing that kind of gets you in that groove and get you through it. Cause it's not going to be easy. Like, I don't care how good you are at it. It's not going to be good because no one's meant to cut 20 pounds in 24 hours. Like it's the human body is not supposed to do that. So, um, but again, if she does it and pulls off this fight, man, it's a huge addition. I, I was about ready to swing the death nail on that on that division. And the fact that Kayla's coming in, if she can do it successfully, I'm not saying it saves everything because it's just one fighter, but Amanda Nunes was talking about coming out of retirement, you know, so you know, a couple of things could be happening. Maybe we get a little bit of rejuvenation in here. Yeah, I'm guessing they're probably trying to rejuvenate that because I don't think there's much interest in it. And uh you know, so it's like, you know, a lot of us are going to feel this way, you know, like it's just not that interesting, right? Like, it, you know, I don't want to sound like sexist or anything, but like the women's fights are just not as interesting as the men's fights. I think you share that same opinion with Sean Strickland. I think he's had the same opinion. So, yeah, well, I mean, he's a little bit more insulting towards him. Like, I'm I'm not, you know, going to insult the way that they compete or anything. You know, I think they do the best they can. Um, but we just don't have a group of studs. You know what I mean? Like, it, you, you might get, like, a girl like Amanda Nunes coming in and beating up a bunch of women that should probably be housewives, you know, or you get, you know, the Joannas and the Rondas that they're, you know, that are beating up women that, you know, probably wouldn't make a, you know, a club soccer team, you know, and, and, and that makes it uninteresting to me. It's, it's not the fact that, um, you know, it, again, I think Strickland has a little bit of a different view on it. Right. Where, whereas my view is more like, like what was so interesting about watching like GSP's run is like, he's beating these fucking studs you know, these guys that were going to be champions if he weren't there, right? Or, or um, you know, or uh, Anderson Silva or, or Israel Adesanya, you know, the, the, these guys like that, that are, they're beating guys that are fucking monsters, you know, that, and, and there's just one after the other where it just seems like with these women fights, there's like one or two that kind of stick out and then, eventually they have a fight where you're like, uh, she wasn't so good. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, I disagree on some level, depending on what you're talking about, because I think like, I think that's the problem we're seeing right now. Bantamweight because the talent pool is just too shallow. Like there's just not like, we have like three or four women who are high level. And then just a bunch of like, who are they, you know, not great fighters, but then, I think when you look at flyweight and strawweight, you get into Zhang Weili. Like we talked many times about Zhang Weili and Yuan, like what a high-level fight that was. Um, Tatiana Suarez, you know, 
Olympic level wrestler, you bring in like that. Mackenzie Dern, of course, incredible jujitsu. Like you know, there and you, you know Jessica Andrade. Like there's certain people, um, and I think Flyway right now. You look at you know uh, Aaron Blanchfield is a badass. You know what I mean? Like she's a badass. Um, you look at you know Mano Fior, good kickboxer, things like that. And of course, you know you got Valentina Shevchenko, who is incredible Muay Thai. Uh, Alexa Grasso is look so. I disagree on that level. I'll agree more on bantamweight though, because bantamweight over the last couple of years has really fallen apart to where there just isn't a deep talent pool. But when even when you go to those weight classes, can you name like four or five that are like studs? You know what I mean? I mean, I can because it's kind of my job. But uh, I, I know what you're, I know what you're saying. I just I I think that I think like anything else. Um, if you're not building, it's like, it's like the training thing. If you're not growing, you're dying. And I think that the talent pool hasn't grown as much in some of those divisions. And I think that's a problem. That's why I said the other day, um, when I was doing the podcast, we had Alan Joban on last week and we were talking about how bad the women's bantamweight division is. I was like, the UFC should just go scout out the Olympics and find women's wrestlers who are around that weight and develop yeah, them like you did with the, like with the Nickel or, like, okay, what's the best division in the women's, you think? In fighting or wrestling? Which one are you talking about? In fighting, yeah. The, the, what's the best, uh, most competitive, highest level division? I would say, honestly, right now, probably flyweight, just because it's the deepest, because you got people coming up and down from 115 and 135. So flyweight seems to be that way right now, I would say. And if, Okay, who's the champion? Uh, Alexa Grasso. Grasso, yeah, I'm sorry. And they Valent- she took it from Valentina. Now, if you go down the top 10, by the time you get to like number seven or eight, I'm betting without looking because I'm not, I don't, don't like watch these that close, but I'm betting by the time you get down to like seven or eight, you're getting girls that are like four and two, you know, four, or, you know, five and four, you know, things like this. I mean, you could make the same argument, though, about some heavyweight fights. So you look at the men's heavyweight division. I, could... <laughs> so to be fair, I have made that argument about heavyweight. Yeah. I've never been a big fan of heavyweight. Yeah, I mean, I think you can make that same argument. When you get outside that top five or six in heavyweight, it gets pretty rough. Uh, yeah, know, you get, you know, I, and I've, I've made that same argument about heavyweight. Like, I, I do not enjoy heavyweight fights nearly as much as I do other divisions. And I've never been as impressed with heavyweights. Um, there is the, you know, right now, it seems like the heavyweight division has looked pretty good, but it, you know, I, I think it's very much similar where you're talking at the top, you know, there's some real fucking killers and, if, but it starts dropping off really, really quick. Yeah. It was that way for a long time with light heavyweight too. Like light heavyweights turned around a lot now when you bring in guys like Yuri and Alex and of course Jamal Hill, but Right after John left, you look at that division, you're like, oh, boy. Like, this is this is looking a little rough when you get down around 10-11. I think heavyweight's the same way. So, I think depending on the division, you know, like I said, everyone kind of ebbs and flows like that. But, like, you look at heavyweight, and I'm not certainly not trying to insult the heavyweights, but you get outside that top five, six, it's getting pretty rough. Like, you know, Tom Aspinall's a stud. Curtis Blade's a stud. Jalton Almeida's a stud. John Jones, obviously. Stipe, a couple other guys. But you start looking at number 10-11, you're like, hmm, I don't know about all this. Hmm. I'd have to look and see because I don't, I don't know all the names at the tens and elevens there. Uh, but again, it, to me, it seemed like you know the the women's divisions have had a long time to build up, but it, 
Um, I hate when I see a girl, you know, you know, it's like four and two or, you know, I've seen some that are like 50, 50, you know, with their records and, and they're in like the top 10. I'm like, that's not the way it's supposed to be, you know? Well, that was the, that was the argument we were having last week about women's bantamweight, you know, number 15 in the UFC is a girl named Chelsea Chandler. She's five and two. Like that's not, you know, like that's not. Uh, that's you're number 15 by default. You're not number 15 because you earn that spot. You're number 15 right. because there's like 17 fighters on the roster. And you know, the other two people are on like four or five losing streaks or whatever the case may be. Like that's not, you know, and I also said, Margaret last week, I said, there's two fighters in the top 15 under the age of 30. That's not good. Like youth, youth right. matters. Like you need some, you know, 20 year old killers, 25 year old killers, None right. of that. And, so and that's yeah. kind of, that's kind of that's my point where it gets really uninteresting. And then and then even and I know this would be controversial, so you know, don't make it the headline or whatever. But the <laughs> but you know, when you take someone like Amanda Nunes, who's the greatest fighter of all time, and then like the way she shit the bed against Juliana Pena, and I was like, I was like, dude, like GSP got knocked out by Matt Sarah, but like Matt Sarah's a fucking badass. You know what I mean? Like anybody could fuck up and, and Matt Sarah could fuck up anybody. You know what I mean? Uh, but you, it made me, it just made me stop and question like, like, dude, is she really that fucking good? And, you know, she came back and proved like she's pretty fucking good. And I think, you know, she is good and everything, but it just, I don't know. There's something about, you know, the women's divisions that just make it way less interesting. I mean, everyone's got their thing. And like I said, I can't begrudge that's like, that's like me trying to convince you that you need to watch a Marvel movie. Like you don't like Marvel movies. You're not into comic book shit. Like that's not your thing. Well, yeah. You know, so I'm not going to sit here. Like and spend movies, bro. But you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying like, you know, it's like me telling you like, man, I love this movie. I think it's a great achievement in filmmaking. You're like, yeah, I saw it. I didn't like it. That's like me spending 20 minutes trying to convince you that you yeah, should watch yeah, it again. And it's, and you it, know, it you like what you like. Because, because like this world we live in, like I kind of have to justify, you know, I kind of have to break down why it's uninteresting to me. You know, if, if I just say like, that's the difference between like me and Sean Strickland. Right. I think, you know, we probably share a lot of the same opinions, but he's going to say it very roughly. Like these <laughs> fucking women suck, you know, and I'll actually spend the time to explain, you know, why it doesn't suck, but you know, why it's not as interesting to me as it is other divisions. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yeah, let me ask you this, kind of because you're talking about criticism right there. And I think that fair criticism is is what it is. Like, you have to be willing to talk about it. Like, we're in, a, we're in a world now where, like, you have two directions. You either get, you know, you're either wrong for your opinion, which you can't really be wrong about an opinion, or you break someone's feelings. You hurt someone's feelings with an opinion, which I don't like that either. Like, I'm not in the, you know, that's not how it is. Now, you saw, I know you replied on Twitter about this last week, you know, John Annick got pretty upset and he was talking on his podcast about, you know, some of the heat he took. And I know he issued another thing. He said, you know, kind of heat of the moment. And I apologize. I didn't mean to react that way. But you saw one side of people coming out and saying, leave John Annick alone. Like, he's the best we got. Good dude. And then you saw Sean Strickland come out and he's like, fuck it. Like, you know, we got great fans, savage fans. Like, you can't take it, get out of the kitchen. You can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. I think there's a middle ground there, right? Like, I've always been a big believer in never read the comments ever. Like if you want your mental health to stay even moderately decent, like don't read the comments. And I understand it's different because you as a fighter live in a much more public facing life than even I do. Like when you win, you're on top of the world. When you lose, you get a billion messages telling you how bad you suck. And I know like that's awful. John Anik is a good dude. I know John Anik very well. I'd call him a friend. He's incredible at his job. My biggest, and and I know this, and I know it happens with fighters, Matt. I know we've talked about this before, but fighters do tend to sometimes get a little up in their feelings about commentators. And commentators are just doing their job. Like, I'm not saying they're right or wrong. Have I heard commentary that's been wrong? Absolutely. I've heard commentators say, this guy absolutely won a round. I'm like, what fight were you watching? They did not win that round. (laughs) Like, do you know how to score the fight? But like people get so upset at this shit, and it's just like, like the 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 commentators aren't scoring the fight, like they're not the actual judges. Like I know for a fact, when I'm watching a fight, sometimes I I watch it, I'm typing, I'm texting, I'm tweeting, whatever the case may be, and I score it, and I go back and rewatch. I'm like, oh, I missed that, or I you know just little things here and there. People get way too offended by commentary, whether it's a fighter, the fans, like calm down. Like they're like, they're not there to be malicious. They're not there to hurt you. Like, can they be wrong? Absolutely. They are not perfect beings, but we got to calm down on like attacking the commentators for what they say. Like, dude, you don't have to like it, but like, they're not doing it to hurt you. Yeah, no shit. Right. And uh, I I mean, I just, I don't see how you couldn't like John Anik, you know, (laughs) and one of the one of the things about him is, that I like about his commentary is he's pretty good at not constantly expressing his opinion. Yeah. Right? I think that's more like uh, a DC and Rogan thing, uh, which fair game to them. I love their commentary too, but they they kind of he kind of leaves it to them more to express their opinions, right? He's a lot more objective about things and just kind of saying what's going on and. And he's very fucking good at it. And I find it pretty rare that he actually, you know, puts out an opinion or at least a strong opinion, you know? Um, and 
but it seems like, you know, the, the few times that he does, it's when he takes a bunch of shit. So he's probably not used to getting that kind of feedback, right? Um, DC and Rogan are probably a lot more used to that because they're constantly putting out opinions, right? And they're used to people getting, you know, getting pushback from people and getting hate and, you know, these nasty things people say on the internet that, you know, just blow you away that people take the time to type things out and yeah. go, like, what are you doing with your day right now <laughs> that made you just decide to type this? Right. So, um, so to me, that was probably what got John going, right. He's probably just simply not used to that. Right. He's extremely good at what he does. And he's a lot more, he's just more objective about things most of the time. Right. And he's kind of, you know, not really as in the limelight as a, like a Rogan and DC and uh, maybe, maybe Dominic a little bit here and there, you know, like, like Dominic can get pretty opinionated at times and I'm sure they take the shit for it. Uh, but with John, I, I just, I'm like, I just couldn't understand, you know, what there is to hate about the guy. I mean, he's, he's just a fucking good dude. You know, yeah. I just, well, I just couldn't understand it. So um, I, I don't even actually know the entire story of everything that happened, but uh, John has always been nothing but respectful to me. So I just stuck up for him and I don't even know the whole story, <laughs> but I'm going to stick up for him and take his side. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is like, we ask these guys to do a job and it's not an easy job. Cause I've tried to do commentary. It's hard. Like when you got to fill yeah, seven hours, easy, but... like, you got to fill seven hours of, of fight time. Like it, it's hard, but also like, you don't want these guys to be non-opinionated. You want, like, our show wouldn't be our show if we didn't give our opinions. If we just sat here and every subject we ever talked about, we were like, well, I could see it going this way or I could see it going this way, but I really don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Like, it just wouldn't well, be that. Because also when I was, I was actually watching the NFL games over the weekend and I was listening to their commentary, they're, they're actually really good about not being opinionated about things. Like, they're very – much like just saying kind of what's going on, you know, during the, the, uh, the game. And, you know, I think uh, particularly like with Joe Rogan coming in the UFC originally, like we've gotten used to hearing or from boxing, like th those guys are very opinionated, you know, when you listen to boxing commentary. And I think we've kind of, as combat sports fans gotten used to that commentary. And now there's a whole group of, individuals or humans on this planet that have gotten very used to putting their opinion online and saying mm. nasty things about people and not getting any recourse for it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I don't know. Like I said, I don't like, I don't think like, I don't think anyone in that commentary team does a particularly bad job. Do I like certain teams better than others? Sure. Cause yeah. you know, everyone's got their own style. Like I know you said, like you like Joe Rogan in DC, like you love Joe Rogan calling fights. He's the King. I like Joe too. I like him very much. Um, I like Daniel Cormier. Like I know, I know DC rubs a lot of people the wrong way. And I'm like, DC is my favorite commentator. Like I love DC. Uh, now am I friends with DC and like, do I consider him a friend like outside of, you know, the sport? Sure. But I think he's great at it. Like, I think he's awesome. You know what I mean? But not everyone, not everyone, trust me, not everyone believes that. Not everyone agrees with me. Uh, That's actually one of the things I like about DC is he rubs me the wrong way all the time when he's commentating. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. I like that, though. Yeah, but I, I, I but I, like, 
and I I hear what you're saying about the NFL. I do, I, but like I, you know, it's funny is the guys who tend to get the most talk about them, who get the most publicity, are the guys who do get a little bit more opinionated. They're the ones who actually end up calling the bigger games, like a Tony Romo. He gets, he gets like people like, dude, you're, you're jock riding certain guys. Like he just absolutely, he's like, oh, this guy's the greatest thing ever and blah, blah, blah. And they talk him up and whatever. And he gets accused of that now that's, that's opinion, maybe more positive opinion, but he does get accused. Like you favor this team over that team because you're talking about what a great guy this is and his coach is this and blah, blah, blah. So it happens in every sport. Uh, and the NFL, let's be honest, the NFL is, you know, a hundred times bigger than the UFC in, in, in America, you know what I mean? So like, I can only imagine what those guys go through when they, you know, when they have a call that people don't like, but yeah, it's just weird. Like you said, like John Annick's like the nicest dude ever. And he's like the least controversial guy of that entire crew. Like he gives the least amount of opinion, but even the guys that give opinion, like call them down. Like, you know what I mean? Like they're not doing it because they want to hurt you. And I'm sure, I'm sure certainly they're not doing it to, you know, uh, harm a fighter. Like they're fans, just like you and I are fans. Like when I give my opinion, I'm not, I'm certainly never doing it to hurt anyone's feelings. I'm just giving my opinion, just like Joe Rogan does, just like Daniel Cormier does. Like when Joe Rogan says on his podcast, I was watching it today. And he said that like, he was talking about that, that conversation he had about a month ago or two months ago. And he said that he's like, it pissed off a lot of fighters. When I said that, if you want to be considered the best in the world, you need to fight in the UFC. And I understand going to PFL and making a million dollars and Bellator paying you a lot more money and all this guy. I understand all that. But if you want to be considered the best in the world and you want to be the you know biggest star in the world, you need to fight in the UFC. And that pissed off a lot of people, but he's not wrong. Right. You know, like, like it or not, I like Bellator. I love the PFL. I love what the PFL is doing right now. I do. But I know when I write a story or cover a fight, UFC gets a thousand times the attention, you know, like the PFL, but the PFL versus Bellator card in February is a damn good card. I'm excited about that card. UFC 300 will dwarf that card. It won't even be close. So I'm not saying it to be offensive. I'm not like, I'm not saying guys like I think Patchy mix is the best bantamweight in mixed martial arts. I think he's better than Sean O'Malley. I think he's better than the current UFC champion. But I guarantee you the vast majority of the casual audience, people buying and watching fights, know, know Sean O'Malley. They may not know Patrick Mix. Why? Sean O'Malley's in the UFC. That's the reality. Fact. Fact. Yeah, and the last thing I'll kind of say about the two is, you know, we got to remember that John was on his podcast and he'd probably like just read those comments yeah. and was probably feeling the emotions from it. And I don't think there's any way to not, have that way on your mind a little bit. Oh, of course. Cause again, people say just these fucked up things sometimes that, um, you know, I'm pretty good at brushing it off, but like I've had times where, you know, I read these comments and you're like, you're like, God, is, is that motherfucker? Right. <laughs> like, am I really the most worthless piece of shit on this planet? <laughs> you know, you, you, you can't not read it and it affects you in some way. And, I think he was just expressing in the the moment what he was feeling. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, you know? Um, you know, so these people like calling him a pussy and, you know, if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen, you know, whatever, these kind of stupid people. Um, you know, I would appreciate him, you know, being open and honest about it. He's like, dude, like, I'm, I'm not feeling this shit. Like, I don't, you know, he's like, I didn't sign up to fucking – 
be hated like this. And, um, not, and that was part of partially probably a big part reason why I wanted to send out a positive message to them. I look like you got people like myself, for instance, that love you, bro. And, um, you know, hopefully the, the, the positive comments outweigh the negative. Yeah, no, absolutely. And like I said, like it's like of all the people you could get upset with John Anik is not the, like, he is like the nicest, like no one dislikes John Anik. You don't like, it's just not like the dude doesn't do anything to be disliked. And you're probably right. I, I think you're a hundred percent right. Like he's not used to it. And so people lashed out and he's like, what the hell is this? Like, I'm not used to this. And you know, that's what happens. Like, you know, and so, um, that's why I say like, I get hate messages occasionally and I kind of brush them off, but that's like two or three. When you lose a fight, you probably get 40,000 people being like, you suck. You're the worst ever. You're this, you're that. You know what I mean? Like, not, not really. I don't get it too bad. It's usually when I, to to be honest, this podcast has probably brought me more hate mail than anything I've ever done. (laughs) It's when you put out an opinion, it's exactly like what John did. Like when you put out an opinion, like people don't have a, a respectful way to debate or go back and forth with you. They just say hateful shit. And the problem, the the difficult part is you could read a thousand positive comments and like your level of, of how good you feel about yourself stays relatively the same. You probably already felt good about yourself and they're just kind of reinforcing, you know, whatever it is, but that, it only takes a couple of negative comments to take that level down notches really fast. Like it starts falling off the ladder really fast. And then immediately, like you want to engage and all that does is bring you down the ladder more. And of course, if you engage, they're coming back and you know, I'm not Dana white. Like, like these other guys are, you know, these people are, are really good with their, their comebacks you know, and I'm like, like my solution is let's just fight about it. <laughs> Dana, yeah, at least he used to be very good at going back and forth with these guys. And it was comical and it was fun. And I think he had a, you know, a lot of fun with it. I think he's probably not allowed to do that now with the, you know, being under endeavor and everything. But uh, for me, that, that never worked, you know, because as soon as you, you want to come back to me, I'm like, well, let's just fight. Well, then the reality is, like I said, I mean, the funny thing is, is like the negativity always, the negativity is always louder. That's just the nature of the beast. You know what I mean? People screaming and hollering, you know, you're a piece of shit and you're wrong. And, you know, that's always louder than the people are like, I agree with you. You know what I mean? Like, that's just the nature. That's the nature, nature of social media. That's the dude. I've been to a million UFC fights, and I always, without it, without a, without failure, I always hear the one moron shouting something stupid in the background, not the ten thousand people just cheering on a fight. I always hear the yeah. one moron saying, "You fucking suck," or you know, that's the that's just where that's just the nature of our you know that's what we're in tune to hear. So, um, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Like you know, that's and that's what we're conditioned to hear we're conditioned to, the negativity always rings louder than the positivity so you could make an opinion on this show and there could be a billion people that agree with you but those you know uh, 200 people that hate it are just louder you know like that mean they're yeah, right yeah. they're just louder well and, and particularly when you discussing like this show in particular you guys you journalists <laughs> are, are very good at like pulling out headlines and not giving context 
<laughs> I don't know if it's if you the picket or someone else or whatever, but you know, and the fans or anti-fans, whatever you want to call them, the people reading it are great at reading a headline and not looking any deeper to see what the context was. So it always ends up just being a headline and you're just like, you're like, dude, that that's that's not so what I was saying, <laughs> like kind of like what they did with uh, Joe Rogan with the N word stuff, you know, it's like, it's like, did you guys look into that at all? Like, you, like he's not a racist, you fucking idiots. Yeah, I think it's listen, and I'll I'll defend the journalists here. I'm not saying they're all because you know, listen, just like I can't say all fighters, all journalists aren't the same. Do some people make headlines specific specifically to? you know, game the system, so to speak. Sure. It absolutely happens. I know they do. I've seen some bad ones. Trust me. Um, but there's also the reality of like, you know, you got 80 or 90 characters to work with and there's only so much you can fit in the yeah. headline. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, if your opinion, like, like it's not that you're false in what you said, it's more of like, you got to read it to understand it goes beyond that. Like if I say, you know, um, well, I get that the idea of the headline is to get people to read it too. So yeah. it has to be something interesting. You yeah. can't be like, well, you know, Matt Brown said he washed his car this weekend. Because <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm going to read that. Wonder about what yeah. the car. That's about. the that's the one. That's the one that you're, it's not it's not in the headlines that bug me. It's the people who grade it off the headline and don't actually read it. If you read yeah. it and disagree with me or disagree with whatever, okay, we can have a discussion. Don't read a headline and come at me and say, well, you know, this guy is not as good as you think he is or whatever the headline is and be like, did you actually read the criticism? Like, did you read why we're saying he's not as good as he is or why he lost the fight or whatever the opinion is? You know what I mean? Like, it, there's no way you can fit that entire thing into a headline. Don't come at me just because of a headline. Come at me because you read the article. And if you disagree, great. We can have a conversation about it. But don't read a headline just that says, you know, I thought he lost the fight. And you're just pissed off because you can't handle your feelings that you think someone lost a fight and you can't agree with them or disagree with them. Like, I saw a million headlines this week of people being like, they scored it for Dracus over Sean, or they scored it for Sean over Dracus, and like people losing their shit. I'm just like, did you read why they think the way they think? Like, did you actually understand why they scored it the way they scored it? Like, are you just like headline? Are you just chasing the headline and getting pissed off? It doesn't make any sense to me that they would get mad at you know, say my opinion, your opinion, John Anik's opinion, DC's opinion, anybody, like the only fucking opinion that matters is the judges yeah. like, getting mad at them. <laughs> yeah. It's an opinion too. That's the other thing. Like that's like, we've come to a world now where you can't have an opinion. Like, you know, like, dude, who cares? Like, I don't agree with you. Like we can have a fun discussion. Like I don't totally agree with what you're saying about women's well, fighting, yeah, but that yeah, doesn't mean we can't have a discussion. I can't be like, no, no, no. Fuck you, Matt Brown. And, <laughs> Right, especially when it's a goddamn, it's it's two people in a fucking fight in a cage. <laughs> yeah, like you really give that much of a shit, you know? Like like it's not really, it, just like you know these people go crazy about the Super Bowl. I'm like, my dude, it's it's a bunch of athletes trying to put a ball across a fucking line. Like, do you really fucking care? I mean. Yeah, I mean I'll I'll tell you right now, if the Bengals win a Super Bowl, I'll fucking care a lot. I'll tell you that much right now. I'll be the guy. I'll be the guy on top of the on top of the building, screaming my head off. Uh, if the Bengals ever win a Super Bowl, so I will absolutely. I mean, it's that pretty day. exciting and stuff, but but you would never care enough to like like if 
anybody you know said fuck the Bengals or whatever like you're not gonna be like oh fuck you right like you're not yeah. gonna create hate over this or anything and like it, that's what it, it doesn't make any sense like it's just a fucking stupid thing like life is too short for that shit like what what are we doing here you know like rogan says like we're on a fucking rock floating around in the middle of nothing you know in a, floating in a circle around a big fireball like who gives a fuck bro <laughs> like, i'm never like, I, i'm never gonna reveal the name but there was a years ago i did a story someone had some really opinionated things about say about conor mcgregor like really opinionated things about conor mcgregor and they said it like i didn't make up what they said they said what they said article came out and everyone lost their shit and they went after the fighter and the fighter messed with me he's like is there any way you could change that headline or because the irish fans are just out for my throat and i'm like dude like you said it and i didn't misquote you i didn't like put words into your mouth and he's just like he was getting bombarded with irish fans calling him stupid and you suck and this and that and i was like dude like you can't let that affect you man like you're if you let that affect you you're really gonna like not have a good time in the sport because people are going to come for your throat for anything and if you show the least if you show one ounce of weakness they're going to pounce all over you like, I mean, my God, don't say a word about fucking Miley Cyrus, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know what I'm saying? Like, that's my point. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, people lose, like, dude, I said, uh, I'll never forget. Year, I still bring this up. Years ago, Justin Bieber showed up to a UFC event. I made a joke on a tweet to a, one of my colleagues, and I said, if you see him again, can you trip him and make sure he falls down? Because, you know, Justin Bieber. To this day, like five years later, every now and again, I'll still get an errant comment of some Justin Bieber fan being like, you're a piece of shit, or, you know, <laughs> fuck you, or, you know, you're fucking whatever. And I'm like, it was a joke. I joked that they should trip him, he should fall down. But that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how fucking wild these people are. I love it, bro. <laughs> and at least it's funny because, like, okay, like all the Strickland fans, you're like, these are potentially dangerous people. We don't really know who they are. They might be wild. A, a Bieber fan or like a, I don't know what they call Miley Cyrus Cyruses or something. I don't know what they're called, but I'm like, I'm like we're not worried about you little fucking you know, 12 year olds in, in your rooms, fucking tweeting on your mom's iPhone. Like, yeah. But yeah, I just like this to this day. Like I still get a random, like every now and again, I get a random message and be like, fuck you. And I'm like, what did I do? And I look and they're responding to my Justin Bieber tweet from like five years ago. And I'm like, what? How how the hell did you even find this? Like, where is this? Like, (laughs) what are you doing? Like, are you just trolling Twitter trying to find Justin Bieber comments? Like what's going on here? They probably do. And, you know, maybe I should talk some shit about Taylor Swift now because that's (laughs) like, that would get me the most because these Swifties, bro, my daughter's into the, the Tay-Tay shit. I'm like, God damn. Like, like she's she might be demonic or satanic because the spell that she has cast over this planet is absolutely it's nothing I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like I don't. I, I will say there's a I did. There was one Taylor Swift song I did like. I'll admit it. I like a Taylor Swift song. But I'm certainly not a Taylor Swift. Like I'm not a Taylor Swift. Sure, we not, can still be friends after this, Damon. I, dude, I, don't even, don't even, don't even start. I can. I told you recently I, there was a Papa Roach song I like. If you didn't disown me after that, you're not gonna disown. Me. Bro, <laughs> but, I don't know, man. But you, you, listen, you're, let me finish you're my on point. The edge of enemy here. Let me finish my point. I don't. I I could. I couldn't care less about Taylor Swift one or the other. Like she, I think she's probably a very talented person, and I'm glad yeah. people are fans of hers. 
What I love right now, though, and I'm, this is making me a fan of Taylor Swift, is people losing their shit over her going to NFL games. And they're like, I'm so tired of Taylor Swift. I'm so, I'm like, dude, calm the fuck down. Like, she, they're showing her on the screen for like three seconds at a time of her celebrating because her boyfriend won a game. Calm the fuck. People are losing their shit over this. And I'm like, I hope they bring Taylor Swift down to the field and let her kick the fucking ball off. That's how much I wanted to piss you off. Like, calm down, people. Like, I'm I'm becoming a bigger fan of her because it's just pissing people off for no reason. Like, people are getting irritated. Yeah, was, she's going now, to a I football was on game. That same wavelength as you for a while. I was like, I was like, bro, who cares? Like, it's Taylor Swift. She's a cute girl, you know. Like, show her on the screen. It was better than you know all these big fucking brutes. Like, I don't care to see these fucking guys, right? Like, show the hot girl, right? But now. Every time the Chiefs play, my daughter tells me every trivial fact about Taylor Swift for the entire game, and she sits there and watches the entire Chiefs game waiting for Taylor Swift to come on the screen, and I hear it through my whole house how Taylor Swift is on the fucking screen, and it's but, it's the most comical thing ever. But I'm like, I'm like can I just enjoy this damn game? Like, like you already told me that about Taylor Swift 20 times. You don't need to tell me again. Do you I know, know that quick- she was born in 1989. I know that she... Do you know how quickly Dana White would sell his soul to the devil to get Taylor Swift to date a fighter and bring her to the fight? It's like... <laughs> Read that demographic. Uh, Holy shit. Like that's all over the because I know I see people, I see people now, they're like, I don't know anything about football, don't care about football, but they're buying like Travis Kelsey jerseys because Taylor Swift is dating him. Dude, like if I was Travis Kelsey, I'd be the happiest guy in the world. Like, not only are you dating like the biggest the biggest star on earth right now, but like your jersey sales are through the roof, not because like Kansas City fans, because all her fans, like Oh, no, you know, like but the whole, the, well, the whole question is, is it a conspiracy though? No, it's not. People need to calm down the, on that stuff. That's the big question. Is it a conspiracy that was put together by the government to get votes? <laughs> I don't think it was. I don't think it was at all. It's hilarious. You say that though, but no, I don't think it's a conspiracy. No, I, reading, at all. I, it's, I, I don't believe that either, but I was reading yeah. a whole thing about that the other day. They were they're saying, you know, so everybody go get the vaccine, you know, and so everybody vote for Joe Biden and all this shit. And but the, here's the thing, though, they did say that there's one in five adult voters. Well, I guess only adults can vote, but one in five voters are going to vote based off of Taylor Swift. And. Can you believe that though? That's crazy though. That's crazy. That is crazy. It doesn't totally surprise me because I mean, and here's my opinion: it's gonna piss people off. People are that gullible that you'll listen to a pop star to tell you who to vote for. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't like. I said, dude, it's so hilarious. Like, there's just so like, there's so much more stuff to be worried about in this world than Taylor Swift. Like, she's not right, doing anything right. bad. Like, she's not. She's not no, starting like, wars. Like, I, she's, I'm, I'm actually happy. Like. I, I think at least from uh, again, I'm my own daughter who's completely obsessed with her. Won't shut the fuck up about it. But I'm like, hey, it's Taylor Swift. Like this isn't, you know, um, you know the Kardashians, right? Like this is a, a as far as I can tell, like a, a decent role model. You know, someone that's actually got some talent. Like she writes her own songs. You know, it's not like like Jennifer Lopez out there lip syncing and stuff. You know, it's like. You know, she does some good things. I think she means well for the world and community. So, 
you know, at least it's Taylor Swift. It's not fucking the Kardashians. Oh my <laughs> god, yeah, that's all. Don't even get me started on that fucking family. Uh, the the least talented people on earth who have millions of dollars for no reason other than being, you know, basically TV stars for being TV stars. Yeah, like Taylor Swift. Sucks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kim Kardashian. She came to fame because she made a porn tape. Uh, yeah, like, dude, like Taylor Swift, dude. I saw this story a few months ago when she did her big tour that was all over the world. Like when the tour ended, she paid all the people who worked on her tour like these massive, fucking huge bonuses. Like yeah, truck drivers were getting yeah. like a three hundred thousand dollar bonus. Like that's fucking awesome. Like that's yeah. you know, like that is a, like I'm all for that. And as you said, like I may not listen to her music, but she's talented. Like I don't have to like what she does to be to, to listen to one she, song. There is one song I do like. I'm not gonna do. You know, <laughs> you know, he's a big Taylor Swift fan. It's Joseph Benavidez. He loves Taylor Swift. Well, Joey B's <laughs> got a lot of questionable things about him. <laughs> but, but I'm just saying, like, you know, but it's and I'm also conflicted here because I'm a lifelong Bengals fan, and the Chiefs are one of our biggest rivals, and Travis Kelsey in particular has had some words with my Bengals, but I'm also torn because Travis and I went to the same college. He went to University of Cincinnati. That's where him and his brother both played. So we're both, you know, he's an Ohio kid. He's from Cleveland, played played at Cincinnati. So I'm like, God damn it, Travis Kelsey. Like, I don't want to root for you. I can't root for you. You don't play for the Bengals, but you are an Ohio kid. And, you know, you're from, you graduated from my college. I'm like, uh, you know, I can't hate you either. I'm like, you're kind of in the middle now, buddy. I can't, I can't hate you, but I can't root for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's a fucking stud, man. I can tell you that. Like he's, God damn! Yeah. Watching that game the other day, I mean that dude, the Chiefs. I, I tell, I, I, I don't know a ton about football, but goddamn, when the when it comes down to the playoffs, the Chiefs fucking show up, bro. Like, like I didn't think they were going to do so great. Uh, you know, I wasn't even sure they were going to be a playoff team. You know, somewhere in the middle of the season, and but when it comes down to playoffs, Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Pacheco, like these motherfuckers show up. They do. They do. The only time, the only time that they haven't shown, the only time that they've had a rival in the last couple of years is by a man by the name of Joe motherfucking Burrow. That's Joe all I'm saying. Burrow. That's right. He's a big UFC guy too. Joe Burrow loves the UFC. He's always at the UFC events. Like he's at, he's at a ton of it. He was at your fight uh, yeah. in, in, in Columbus. And I remember I was back at the UFC. I was backstage and one of the PR people comes back and they're like, Joe Burrow's here. And I was like, listen, I never asked for anything, but if you can find a way to get Joe Burrow to come back here for five minutes, I will love you forever. Didn't happen. I was so bummed, but I was like, Joe Burrow is out there. I was like, I just want to meet that guy and shake his hand and say, thank you for fucking re resurrecting this team that I've rooted for my entire life. And they've sucked for about 90% of it. So <laughs> dude, Joe Burrow is that dude. So I hope he gets healthy, man. God, we need him back. I need him back next season to actually turn things around because we had a shit season this year. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just I'm only disappointed about the Lions because I've been a Lions fan on. I mean, I, I'm not I'm not like a a fan of a single team. I'm not that guy. My kids call me bandwagoners because <laughs> I usually just root for who I think is going to win, you know. But the Lions, I've actually enjoyed them since I was a kid because they've always played on Thanksgiving, so I yeah. just always watch their games. I was never a huge football guy but thanksgiving you got to watch football that's what they show so i always loved the lions and they had fucking barry sanders yeah the greatest football player probably ever 
I gotta, I gotta turn you around, dude. I gotta get you to be a Bengals fan, man. You're from the area. You gotta do it, man. Go to. Well, I, you I'm know a Bengals you... fan too because they came to my fight, you know. So mm-hmm. and I toured their stadium. I met some of the guys. Um, you know, uh, actually, I, I was Pac-Man Jones was on their team. I, I love yeah. that dude. And we, have you I, been? To, was... Have you have you been to Have you been to a Bengals game like at the stadium? I've never been to the stadium. So we went to two games this year. We went to Monday Night Football when they played the Rams, and then we went to the Vikings game towards the end of the season. And I've been to a million Bengals games, and almost every time I've been to a Bengals game, the team sucked. So I didn't have a whole lot to root for. But this year, even though we weren't great this year because Joe Burrow got injured, boy, I tell you what, man, it was a blast. Like, I had so much fun going to the Bengals games this year. So, like, next year, we're going to get some tickets. I think you got to go down and catch a Bengals game because your your opinion will change when you've actually been there and you see it in the jungle. Dude, it's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I've been to football games. I've been to a Steelers game. I went to a Broncos game. You know, it's cool. But, you know, I'm just not a big enough football fan to – really want to be there for that whole time in the cold you know if it's a nice day like i'm cool no, like, yeah dude go. you gotta go we went when we went to the monday night football game it was in september so it was gorgeous weather it was a nighttime so you didn't have to deal with like the sun out or anything it was gorgeous so. yeah see i can deal with that yeah but, but so much of the when i went to the steelers game it was in uh <laughs> new york and they played the jets and it was uh you know fucking blizzard man yeah. i was like what am i doing out here <laughs> Yeah, that's not fun. That's not good at all. So yeah, we'll get you. We'll have to figure it out, man. You need you need football. I'm your guy. I can I can educate you on anything football related. I know I know football backwards and forwards, so I can always help out there. I know all I need to know. <laughs> well, I'm gonna get you to a game, dude. I'm gonna get you to a game. Get you on the field down there. And you meet Joe Burrow, and you'll be you'll be a fan for life, man. I'm I'm a fan of that dude for life. I'd I'd lay down in traffic for that dude. So well, I'm I'm a fan of all the teams. But there's certain ones I like more than others. Like I'm, I'm kind of a acquaintances with Chase Young, so I got to cheer for the 49ers. You know, I'm kind of, yeah. uh, uh, you know, hung out with the Bengals, so I got to cheer for the Bengals. Uh, you know, you got some different friends here and there around the league. You know, so you got to kind of cheer for them. But overall, um, I just I I, I like to put about ten bucks on a game, mm. and so I got somebody to cheer for. The toughest day for me was a couple of years ago when the UFC was doing their 20th anniversary thing. And I went up to Cleveland and I went to the Cleveland clinic with Stipe and Jessica I and Matt Hughes and a bunch of people. It was like, you know, we were touring things and they took us to the Browns facility and we were like, it was cool to go to the facility. Like we were in all like the workout rooms, and the meeting rooms, and like we got to meet the team. And uh, one of the team guys, this is before like the current regime, but they were just like, uh, you know, Stipe and Jessica I are huge Browns fans. They're from Cleveland. So they're like way into it. And uh, I was kind of standing back a little bit, and they're like, "Oh, don't you want to like get involved here?" And it's like, and one of the guys, one of the Bengal, one of the Browns players, was like, uh, said something like, "Oh, so you know, are you a fan? You're from Ohio, right?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm from Cincinnati." And he's like, "Oh, he's like, are you a Bengals fan?" I was like, "Who day?" <laughs> he just kind of looked at me, and I was like, "I don't back down my fandom just because I'm in your fucking house right now, buddy." Sorry, I'm I'm all about the Bengals. It was hilarious. They they were just joking with me, but it was pretty funny. He's like, he's like, "Are you not a fan?" I was like, "Oh, I'm a fan." Who day? Well, see, that's, that's the part that okay. Well, well, let's end on this. You got to explain to me this part then. Look, all you fans, you all pick one team and then you stick with them. And if you end up switching teams, you're a bandwagoner. And this is a, some sort of disgrace to the NFL fan world. The goddamn players switch teams all the time, though. 
Oh, I don't, I don't begrudge anyone switching teams. I, you can be a fan of whoever you want. I don't care about that. I just, I grew up a Bengals fan. I grew up in Cincinnati, so I've always been a Bengals fan. I've been with them through thick and thin. I've been through them through many years of them sucking terribly bad. So, say, so you, you are more of a fan of the Bengals than the own Bengals players are. I'm a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals. I've supported them through thick and thin. Now, I will say, sometimes when players have left, like I still. I still root for Ohio State players when they go to the NFL. Like, I was rooting in the playoffs for C.J. Stroud, the former Ohio State quarterback. Um, I met him. I went down to Ohio State a couple years ago with Brendan Schaub, actually, uh, and met a bunch of the Ohio State players, and I got to go to their practice and hang out with them. And um, I still root for all the Ohio State players in the NFL because they played Ohio State, like, even though they're not playing for the Bengals. Like, they play for other teams. So, yeah, I don't, I don't care. I'm not that – I'm not that obsessive. Like, people can root for whoever they want to root for. Like, I'm just a Bengals fan, but that's okay. You can root whoever you want to root for, but I think I can turn you. I think, I think if I get you out to a Bengals game with me, Matt, you might turn a little bit more into a Bengals fan. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I just, I'm a Bengals fan, but I'm a fan of many other teams. Yeah. Get you to meet Joe Burrow, hang out with Joe, Joe Shiesty, and, and get you guys to become buddies, and then I'll, I'll glom onto you more for that because I'm cool like, I gotta, I'm cool I gotta, with that. Who does Od- Odell Beckham play for now? Uh, he plays for the Ravens. He just got eliminated yesterday. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah, yeah so like my old strength coach trains him. So he, I was supposed to. He wanted to learn some MMA stuff, so I was supposed to go train with him a little bit. Oh, nice. Yeah, so, so I got to root for him a little bit. You know, yeah. if I knew he was on the Ravens, I would have been cheering for them yesterday. But I had to cheer for the Chiefs because of Tay Tay. <laughs> your do- are you gonna have to get your daughter a travis kelsey jersey for christmas next year or something yeah, good call she'd like that see look at me playing see look at you playing favorites so you buy a fo- see you buy a football get your daughter in a football jersey she doesn't even know how much she's supporting football but you get her a travis kelsey jersey she'd love that <laughs> she would absolutely <laughs> love that <laughs> all right we're gonna get out of here uh we'll obviously be back uh next week we might talk more about taylor swift you never know what we're going to talk about on this show uh how we ended up on that subject i'm trying to remember but i have no idea uh so yeah we'll be back next week we're getting back in the thick of the fight schedule uh this weekend of course we got roman delize fighting uh nasruddin emovoff and uh hinata moicano against your boy drew dober that's gonna be a great fight this weekend and then next weekend roll into another card with uh jack hermanson and joe pfeiffer and then we get into the big ones with ufc 298 volkanovsky taporius we'll have that to break down the next couple weeks as well uh matt where can people check you out support you as always Oh, uh, at uh, the Immortal Twitter and Instagram, at the Immortal Coffee, and check out my gummies, my creatine gummies at try underscore create, and check out the Redwood Outdoor Saunas. Absolutely, and always, uh, obviously, we appreciate everyone that tunes into the show. Make sure you check us out on all your favorite podcast platforms on Apple, Spotify, and, of course, over on the best website in the world, MMAfighting.com. For Matt Brown, I'm Damon Martin. We'll see you guys next week with another edition of the Fighter vs. the Rider. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you then. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. 
You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. 